You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia. Welcome to The Main Course. Today, our guest is David Smith, who is a partner at Castangi Brooks Smith and Profit. And we're going to be talking about an issue that was not an issue a few months ago, but is very top of mind at the moment, and that's masks. Um, so David, would you just fill me in a little bit on, on your background first? Yeah, sure. Happy to, um, Barbara. I am a um, OSHA lawyer. That's all I do is occupational safety and health law for companies. Um, advise them on how to comply with all the government regulations, state, state and federal OSHA regulations, um, help them with their safety programs, um, and then defend them from OSHA citations when they get in trouble. And I've been doing that now for over 25 years, although I'm still a very young man, um, at least in my mind. Um, and I'm with the firm. Our, our firm is a labor and employment firm that does employment law, all the various aspects for companies um, across, I think, 16 states, and we have close to 200 lawyers, but there are five of us in Atlanta that do just OSHA law for companies um, headed by a former head of OSHA. So that's kind of who we are. It's a very narrow field. Um, sometimes I think maybe too narrow for my own good, but um, I really enjoy the practice. Um, I enjoy being able to specialize. Um, first, we want to say before we start talking that we are going to be discussing some legal issues, um, but this is kind of a disclaimer. So this isn't really legal advice. So you should go seek out your own legal counsel before making any kind of uh, um, judgments or anything or putting any practices in place um, that this is just general information purposes only. So I'm assuming that it's been a busy few months now for you with uh, all of this mask debate coming in place. So what are the issues that you're hearing um, from your clients, particularly those in, in the food and beverage? Well, I tell you, it's um, it's just a huge challenge. Um, there's there's just the first, just the complicated issue of of what is an acceptable face covering? What's what? What masks um, do do what? Um, which ones are just to prevent the spread? Which ones actually um, protect the uh, the employee? Um, kind of the various uses of the masks is sort of the first question, and then um, quickly behind that is just all of the issues that kind of go along with policies to use them, how those policies should be structured, um, how, how they should be enforced, what kind of training should go along with it, um, all of the kind of policy and implementation part as well. And then behind that comes uh, government regulations and enforcement, which is extremely complicated right now because the federal government on masks really isn't... Um, they're not really occupying the field. They're not requiring masks on a federal level. It's all being done, all the actions at the states and the localities, which make it a, a, um, a complicated uh, 
you know, mash of various rules dependent on where you are. So it's made it a very complicated, complicating issue for the lawyers and also for the companies. What would you say are some best practices that you would offer employers um, for handling employee either training or making them feel um, calm and and protected in the uh, in, in the environment? Yeah, I think um, that's a great question, and that kind of goes along with um, my my advice on that is often the same, regardless of what the safety or health issue is in the workplace. And that is um, is one key thing that I always advise employers to do with respect to the safety and health of their employees, and that is communicate a genuine concern for their safety and health. And regardless of the issue, and COVID included, if you're effective at communicating that to your employees, and I say genuine concern for safety and health, then it, it just it obviates uh, a myriad other problems that can come about. You don't have um, employees resisting whatever it is you're trying them trying to get them to do. They understand the reasons why. They understand that it's for their own well-being. Um, you don't get them being worried or upset to where they might call a government agency like OSHA to come investigate their complaint. So it avoids those kinds of, um, those kinds of problems as well. And I think a key to that is not only how you communicate to your employees, but having an open channel for them to communicate back to you. And to make sure that, um, you know, that could be a, um, dependent on the organization, it could be a safety hotline or just an open door policy. It's kind of ranges from um, the more complicated to the, just the simple open door policy that employees know that they'll be listened to. And it's important to listen to concerns, respond to concerns in a timely way um, in order to, you know, get that across. So, so that's, that's the key, I believe, um, whenever you're dealing with employees on safety and health issues. How do you handle employees who refuse to comply? Ah, yes. And, you know, there, that, that's always, always a possibility. Um, and, you know, I think that employers need to, first of all, I mean, if you're going, they need to understand that they're in charge and responsible frankly, for safety and health in their workplace. And if you have an employee that despite all of your um, explanation, um, all of your efforts, still refuses to comply, then you would have an obligation in order to um, be consistent and fair to everyone else as well as to protect your, 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 work, your workplace um, and to protect yourself from for instance, OSHA citations, to take action against the employee with a, um, you know, a consistently enforced disciplinary action policy that also includes safety violations, which is, you know, what we're talking about, like not wearing a mask when it's required would be a safety violation. And um, as long as those are well documented, well thought out, often done with, you know, working with your lawyers, um, and usually in a progressive way, progressive disciplinary action, then um, 
you know, it, it works and, you know, it's a last resort, but it works and it keeps everyone else, um, in compliance and also keeps you from getting in trouble, um, for safety violations that your employee might commit and that you might be responsible for and would be responsible for under the OSHA law. Should employers provide masks for employees? I think that's, I think that's an option. Um, technically, and I'm going to get a little technical here, is that um, if, if, if masks are considered by federal OSHA or by state, state OSHAs, and about half the states have their own state OSHA, so it's a state jurisdiction thing. Um, if they're considered to be personal protective equipment, in other words, they're meant to protect the wearer, then the the law, both federally and most all of the states, require that the mask be provided and paid for by the employer. But OSHA has made clear, as well as uh, the various state OSHAs, that a cloth face covering, or even a surgical mask when it's used for preventing the spread of COVID-19, in other words, protecting others rather than protecting the wearer, which is really all the cloth face covering and surgical masks are good for anyway. Um, it's not considered personal protective equipment, and employers are not required to provide or pay for them. So that's a long sort of legalese way of saying that, no, you don't have to provide or pay for them. And I think that's um, just uh, up to the particular employer and what they think might be best for employee relations, what they might be able to afford. In a restaurant, you know, you have the front of the off, front of the front of the house, back of the house, um, and there's different mask debates on each. Um, and customers have their eyes on the whole restaurant now. Um you know, in a heated environment in a kitchen, masks have been called something that, that is very difficult to do because they're already in a hot environment. Um, so in what ways can an employer encourage this and also um, let the public know that they're being as as safe and hygienic as possible? Sure, yeah. And um you put your finger on one of the big concerns with a lot of my clients, which is heat. It's difficult, uncomfortable um, to wear uh, a mask really of any sort, and particularly the cloth ones, um, when it's hot. And, um, you know, like in your kitchen, but a lot of my manufacturing clients have very hot work environments as well. And OSHA actually has recognized that as one of the factors where it might be better and even in extreme heat safer to offer an alternative. And I think what I would suggest in that circumstance is um, offering a face shield to an employee who who is, you know, saying they absolutely don't want to wear despite all the encouragement, they just don't believe they can wear the cloth face mask because it's just too hot it gets wet with you know sweat or whatever and they just uh don't don't want to wear it um you can't offer a face shield and there's actually a face shield that is um one that's designed to function more like a mask in that it has a cloth apron 
that that connects to the employee's face below the face shield. So it it doesn't create a seal, but it creates enough of a covering to where there's not an opening at the bottom of the face shield. Um, that might be an alternative as well, where the person you know gets still gets more ventilation than they would with a cloth mask, but it also protects the food and protects others from that employee's, uh, you know, droplets and any virus that they might be putting out. One of the other issues that has come up is uh, putting political slogans or um, or designs on the masks themselves and um, working with employees to see what the employer wants. Um, it's kind of a fine line. Um, so what are your suggestions in that area? Yeah, I've been waiting to see the uh, the, the MAGA masks or the, uh, you know, the Biden-Harris mask, but I haven't quite seen them yet. But, uh, but yeah, no, uh, it has obviously um, become political. And uh, I think that um, – I think my best advice for employers would be um, – to stay away from politics as much as possible. I mean, maybe that's just common sense, but um, I view the workplace kind of as Thanksgiving dinner with, you know, family. It's best not to um, get into politics or religion at work. Um, and to the extent that it can just be emphasized that the the reasons for doing this are to protect the health of the, of the workforce and of your customers. And, um, kind of stay with that and stay neutral on politics. And, uh, you know, I know that, that that's easier said than done, but, um, but I think if, if, if that's the reason, then that's a legitimate non-political reason to, to require the mask to be worn. If you have an employee who says that the, wearing the mask, um, it, that they have a disability that makes makes wearing the mask something that they cannot do. Uh, how do you handle that situation? Yeah, and that's completely different from the political situation of the employee saying, well, you know, I just uh, I believe in personal responsibility and I'm going to just keep my distance and not wear a mask for political reasons. That person you can take action against if they're not following your safety rule of requiring masks. But if a person has a disability and it could be, um, you know, chronic obstructive respiratory disease, it could be anything that affects their breathing. It could even be a psychological disorder that is legally required to be um, accommodated by the employers. And so if an employee says, hey, I've got some medical, even religious potentially or psychological reason for not wearing a mask, then um that is definitely a legal question, and the obligation is to provide a reasonable accommodation to the um, to the employee, and and really also, even though it's a different set of laws, to customers as well who might have those same kinds of conditions and not be able to wear a mask. And if that's true, my advice is to. Um, offer alternatives. And those alternatives could be a range. It could be a face shield. Um, it could be uh, making sure that the person stays six feet away from everybody where they're, where they're going to be, in, you know, in the workplace, kind of social distancing them by design. 
Um, you know, and for customers, it could be all alternative ways of serving them where you're not required to, to, uh, to have that close prolonged contact. And the thing to remember is that masks, uh, masks are all you're hearing about now, but masks are secondary to maintaining social distance because still under the law, you don't have exposure, at least under OSHA law, you don't have exposure unless you have prolonged close contact, which still the CDC is defining as within six feet for 15 minutes or longer. So the priority is if you can get that social distancing, then um, masking is secondary and your reasonable accommodation could be however you might achieve that social distancing. Do you re recommend signage and uh, postings so that um, guests know right away how the restaurant is, is protecting itself and protecting themselves? Yes, absolutely. And you put your finger right on it. That would be my first recommendation is just like I say, it's important to communicate a genuine interest of genuine concern for safety and health for your employees. I think the same principle applies with respect to customers. Um, you need to be clear as possible with signage as to what you're requiring. And to the extent you can, in the few words that you have, convey that it is for their own good. It's for um, the safety and health of the customers and the employees. And most reasonable people, that that's enough, and they would understand and comply. And you could even in your signage say, um, if you have some reason that you feel you can't comply, please let us know and we'll, uh, you know, we'll discuss this with you. With, with management. And I think that if you have an, a customer, which I may be jumping ahead on your questioning, Barbara, but if you have a customer that I think that says um, they just refuse to wear a mask, then um, it would be important for the, the restaurant, the employer to find out why. And it could be a medical or religious reason for not wanting to wear it. And the accommodations could be, you know, would be the same as for the employees. Yeah, we've all seen these videos of uh, angry customers who are confronting restaurant personnel. How do you work with your staff to deal with these customers? Yes, I think, um, I think most restaurants probably already have the um, policies in place that if um, if someone's coming in to try to rob you or if uh, someone is threatening um, you're to uh, not engage um, try to de-escalate and I think that is true with respect to the the customer who refuses to wear a mask as well I think that um, I think that it would be important as quickly as possible if you have a customer who's refusing and doesn't really say they and, and not only refuses to wear one, refuses your offer to give them one, refuses your offer to maybe even provide a face shield. And, you know, I, I, I keep referring to that. I think it's important to have a supply of masks. Um, 
for to offer customers who who don't you know just forgot theirs, but also to have a face shield. If you've got a customer that says I just can't breathe with one and I have this health condition, then you could offer them a face shield. They're not that expensive, and you could just have a few of them on hand. Um, but if despite all of that, the customer just says no, I'm not going to do it. Maybe political reasons, whatever. They're just or they're just being. Um, you know, just just don't want to do it, then I think it's important to get a manager engaging with them, um, explaining the reasons in person, trying to see what their concerns are, um, and trying to diffuse the situation uh, as much as possible. Because what, what you absolutely don't want to do is end up in any um, physical confrontation or even verbal escalated confrontation with a customer. Um, and if it comes down to it, I would say, let the customer in, just do your best to keep the customer six feet away from other customers and employees. Um, and, you know, uh, try to try to social distance them as much as possible. But what you never would do is physically bar them, um, when they're insistent upon coming in or throw them out. That's something that only law enforcement should do. So should restaurants be uh, getting better relationships with their local authorities to make sure that they're following all the regulations? Yes, I think that although, you know, I mean, I think um, I think law enforcement, like everyone with COVID, is pretty overwhelmed. Um, but it's it's always good to have a relationship with your your uh your local police. Um, and, you know, like I said, in a worst case scenario, you might need to call them. But, um, but I think I would still advise that if there's a way to have the customer who insists on coming in, letting them come in, but, but doing what you can to, through other people's behavior, to keep everyone away from them more than the six feet, then it might not be worth in that situation, and I would personally think not, um, to call the police on someone like that um, because you're sort of handling it otherwise. And when you call the police, it, it could escalate with the police. It could end up on, you know, on YouTube the next day. It could make you, um, your, you as the restaurant look bad. Um, depending on how it was handled, even if it's police involved and then police being involved also, you know, has all the politics that surround that right now. So to the extent to where you can avoid calling the police, then I think that's a great place to be. But if there's ever a concern that someone's going to be hurt or violence, then yes, absolutely call the police. After these kind of incidents, what are the best ways to work with your uh, staff to make them feel um, heard and that and that they're in a safe environment? I think um, I think communication again is key with with the staff. Um, I think. Uh, I wouldn't just say, okay, here's our mask policy, put on your mask, here you go, and not talk about it um, anymore. I think it's important to reinforce the behavior 
of wearing it reinforce the reason that it's being worn. I think it's just human nature, and I see it with all kinds of safety and health issues where a rule is implemented and and uh, everybody takes notice uh, for a month or so, and then then it kind of falls by the wayside. And I think that's where the problems would come about, um, where you're not um, reinforcing that message and being consistent about what you're requiring and making clear repeatedly why you're requiring it. Um, it in, in, in my experience, when, you're, when a rule becomes old news and some people stop following it, that can lead to other problems, conflicts between the employee that feels like the rule needs to be followed and he's following it, but the other guy isn't. And um, that's an employee relations problem that could be avoided just by better communication. Are there any uh, um, best practices or any issues on this topic that you think we haven't discussed yet that need to be discussed that restaurants need to understand? You know, one thing that um, that that I wanted to be sure and mention, and uh, because I think it's it's not quite understood, it's sort of a technical thing, but um, that there is always the possibility. Um, of having a few N95 dust masks, which are actually respirators that protect the wearer. If you have a situation where um, you have a customer that just insists on coming in and there's no way to keep the customer six feet away from everybody, you know, an employee has to be there. Um, you can have, if you can find some, have a few N95 dust masks available to give to an employee in a situation where they feel uncomfortable wearing just their regular cloth mask. They or or you understand they might could use an added level of protection for themselves. They're having to get close to that customer who insists on on coming in without a mask or um, you know has has to for whatever reason, be in that more dangerous situation. I think having some N95s on hand, you need to make sure that, um, and I won't bore you with the legalities of it, but you would need to make sure that it's a voluntary choice of the person to use the dust mask, the N95. But if someone's extra concerned um, and you have a few of them on hand, you could offer that to that employee who has the extra concern and wants to have some added protection. It, It's something you'd have to weigh carefully because maybe all the other employees would want one and you don't have enough. But I think having a few N95s on hand, having some face shields on hand is just some good practical advice and you use them as needed for accommodations and for extra whenever you can't maintain that social distance very well, particularly that social distance with someone who's not wearing a mask. Do you feel this is the new normal that restaurants are going to have to be used to to dealing with with the customers and with their with their staff? Wow. Yes. I mean, it's uh, I yeah. I'd like to know that there's. I'd like to think there's an end to this at some point, but um, I think for for the foreseeable future, this is uh, this is going to be the way the way it's done. And I, I, 
very much feel for restaurants because of your, you know, a lot of them have limited capacity and the ones that are dying in, um, you know, aren't really getting the same number of customers that they normally get and are, are really put in a, in a bind. But, um, but I guess, you know, you always have to realize what would be worse would be having an outbreak of, of COVID and having to shut down for two weeks or longer, which happens to have just happened in one of my favorite restaurants in the town where I live. Um, unfortunately, it shut down for two weeks because they had several employees test positive. Do you give best practices for dealing with a COVID outbreak or is that not your specialist? Well, I, I can tell you that um, I do. I think that a lot of companies, a lot of employers actually overreact, at least in the sense, do more than what the law requires by they may shut down if they just have two cases, two employees have it and have tested positive. And there may be no evidence that those the second employee got it at work from the first. Um, really, what I what I had often advise my clients when they have multiple employees is don't just look at it as, oh, we had five employees with COVID. Understand where those employees worked in relation to one another. Did they have prolonged close contact with one another? Um, and that will allow you to address the problem um, in a more targeted way. And you might need to, you know, I, this probably this wouldn't be the case with a restaurant, but a manufacturing plant might need to only shut down a um, a certain area of their plant or a certain shift. And I think that um, that can be real helpful to target the response to an outbreak because you might be able to you can still operate your business, but also by targeting the response and doing the work of contact tracing, in effect. You can learn stuff about your operation that could prevent other spreads of COVID in the future. Anything else that you could think of we haven't discussed? No, I think we've, I think we've had a good discussion. Um, I, I, uh, nothing jumps out at me. I, uh, well, I can tell you this, that, um, it's probably worth the restaurants knowing that, um, right now, federal OSHA is not really enforcing the CDC's guidelines. Federal OSHA isn't really enforcing mask use. Some of the state OSHAs are, particularly in, you know, and this gets into politics, but particularly in the blue states that are state OSHA states, California, Washington, Oregon, Minnesota. Um, those states are enforcing mask requirements through their state OSHAs, but federal OSHA which has jurisdiction in about half the states, is not. They're not enforcing the CDC guidelines. Um, so, like I was saying before, you would need to look to, to your state and local law to know what's required. But um, most employers and in, in outside of healthcare would not – they really don't have to worry about um, – too much 
about OSHA coming in and, and uh, shutting them down or issuing expensive fines for not following CDC guidelines. OSHA is going to want to work with restaurants particularly and, and other non-healthcare employers to, uh, to try to get them to voluntarily follow guidance. That's where things stand. Of course, everything could change after the election, but right now, um, federal OSHA is taking more of a cooperative, helpful approach and hasn't really been issuing citations outside of healthcare. And those healthcare citations have been for not wearing respirators when you're working with a COVID patient. So that, that was just my last point, that right now, um, this isn't really a hot-button issue with, with OSHA. Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been very informative. Well, you're welcome, and I appreciate the opportunity, and um, it, was, it was nice meeting you, and I was happy to, happy to do it. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye.